Well, once again, good morning and good to be with you. Uh, my name is Nathaniel, if you're just tuning in with us, and thanks for taking the time to uh, join us in worship this morning. Please do take the time to open up uh, your Bibles to John chapter 11, whether you've got them in at home, print or digital, or you're just following along on what we put up there on the site. I'd uh, love to have you as you hear the Word with us. Let's pray as we get into the Word. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would come to us this morning and let listen to us. Do not let me, your servant, stand in the way of these people hearing your Word. Let it ring out clearly so that they might know and understand what you, the, the creator of heaven and earth, have to say to them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So questions naturally are, are starting to come up or come in about the uh, current situation. Religious questions, spiritual questions, I would say. Right? Questions like, is God punishing us? What's going on here? What are we supposed to be learning from this? You know, what is God telling us? And that's good. People, we should be asking these questions. Uh, we are spiritual beings and we, we need to have these sorts of, of questions coming in. What is going on here? One thing we have to say from the start, and this is not really a time to answer all those questions. If you want to talk to me about any of that, I'd be glad to do that. You know, we can, uh, we can put together a special session here at church and bring a hundred of our closest friends together and all shake hands and hug and we'll talk about what God is doing here. Just kidding, we're not going to do that, okay? Um, but we, we could, we, we, I'd be glad to talk to you about that. You can call me, text me, whatever you want, email anytime, and we can discuss what God is up to. One thing, though, that he is definitely not up to is, is God is not uh, weeding certain people out or, or deselecting certain people from the, the normal way of life or, or just getting rid of some people. You know, that would be a completely natural and irreligious way of looking at things. And there are definitely people, groups of people, who have thought that way in history, haven't there? Uh, that pandemics, crises, urgent situations, wars, they are used to weed certain weaker people, whoever those might be, out of the population. That's what we experienced during World War II. It was a, a very sad thing. But that is certainly not what God would be up to. And uh, that might not seem like a surprise at us to all, at all, but today we, we hear that God is for life. God is for real physical life. And this is the perfect time to take up this lesson from John chapter 11. Not just because we're in the middle of a situation, but because over the last couple weeks, Nicodemus, John chapter 3, Jesus says, here, you can have spiritual life. Get a new life, no matter your religious background, your education, or history. None of that needs to stand in the way of you experiencing a new spiritual life with Jesus. And then he says, okay, and, and John chapter 4, with the woman at the well, all the things that you're chasing in life to get life, money and fame and career and power and sexual fulfillment, all of those things will not give you new life. I can give you new life. Right? And all that's his spiritual life. And now he, he follows that up and he says to us, I'll give you physical life too. And so let's see what it would be like for us to embrace physical life. And he wants to say uh, this in three different parts today. First, he's going to tell us why the resurrection to life matters or how it matters. Secondly, that it's possible for us. And third, he's going to help us embrace life. So, how the resurrection to life matters or why it matters. So, just to give you a couple things to kind of get us going here. How does it matter 
that life has risen. Right? If the resurrection to the life is true, for example, resurrection from the dead is true, either way you want to say it, how does that matter for life? Well, one thing is that time is linear, not cyclical. Right? If, if you go to an ancient thinking, time is, is cyclical and your life is just a series of, of repeating events. You're, you're kind of stuck into a, a trap and you can see that kind of put badly in uh, certain descriptions of, of Eastern religions, but it, it does end up feeling that way sometimes when you, when you look at ancient biblical stories. They, there's just a repeating cycle of events over and over. Right? But that's not the, the Christian way of thinking. That's not Jesus' way of thinking. If life lives, if, if life has risen from the grave and, and we will live physically eternally, then we have a beginning and we are moving towards an end. And it might not matter that the end is going on forever because we are going in a direction. Right? There's a start and we're heading someplace. So life is, time is linear. Uh, another way it matters, and I, I think a lot of us think of this one right away, is it means that our, our loved ones will live again. And whether they live eternally with God or apart from God, they're going to come back to physical life. Uh, a better way that maybe it matters to us now is that what we do is not as important as who we are. What we do is not as important as who we are. Everything that you and I accomplish in life will end. None of the, the house, the money, all of that stuff, none of that's going to come with us. Even this, the, the, the big beautiful buildings and the, the accomplishments we have in this world, those are all going to end. But who you are... Somehow, to some extent, and, and you know, we, we don't know a ton of how this is going to work, but the, the, the Bible shows us this, that who you are is going to get raised. God's not going to take a robot and raise a robot to life and say, oh, this robot is Kevin, and now Kevin, this is the perfect Kevin. God's going to take the Kevin that lived in this world and raise that Kevin to life. And so somehow, to some extent, who you are, your body and your soul is going to come together and live for an eternity. I mean, who you are now is so much more important than the things that you do. Uh, another way that this new life, this resurrection to life matters, you are going to finally get the new start that you want. I would love to have a new start in life already. Uh, I have plenty of, of guilt and blame from my life that I carry around with me. I think about the bad things that I've done. I would love to just leave all that stuff behind. There will be a time where you will finally get to leave that all behind. You'll get the new start. And wouldn't that be awesome? Jesus tells us, though, the biggest thing, uh, the, the biggest way that this resurrection to life matters today. He, he tells us what it is. And so let's hear it from Jesus. Jesus, it starts out when Jesus uh, hears that his friend Lazarus is sick. His friend Lazarus is sick. And so he, he says... Well, this sickness is for God's glory. Now, not every sickness is for God's glory. Uh, some sicknesses are not used for his glory, but every sickness is an opportunity for God's glory to show up. God's glory is his heaviness. It's his weight. It's his weightiness. You know, God's glory is what shows up when you show off. And, and so who does God show himself to be in this situation? It's, it's really awesome, because Jesus hears that his friend Lazarus is sick. 
And he comes down to see Mary and Martha, who are the sisters of this man, Lazarus. They are sitting Shiva, as it's called, with their friends. Sitting Shiva is what the, uh, the ancient Jewish people used to do when somebody mourned. They would all mourn together. Uh, you know, you, we, it's, it's like a multi-day-long funeral and memorial service. Everybody mourns together. Uh, and so they were sitting Shiva. Jesus walked up. Martha, for whatever reason, saw him first. And, and she basically said, Jesus, you're too late. And Jesus didn't yell at her because she went on and she said, but I, I trust whatever you ask for can happen. Cool. And you know what Jesus does? He affirms her trust. He says, yeah, you're right. I am the resurrection. Whatever you trust, it can happen. A few minutes pass by, and now Mary walks up to Jesus. And Mary, Mary says basically the same thing. You're too late. But she's sobbing. She, she's overwhelmed. She's brokenhearted. And you know what Jesus does? He doesn't tell her what he told Martha. He cries with her. It, it, it says he's troubled. And he, he, we hear that in, in, a, in a verse or two, he's going to weep with her. Now, isn't that awesome? I compare that to my own way that I relate to people. You know, the big crisis in my house right now is that um, we have a missing set of locks. I went to the store and I bought some locks for box, boxes, and I don't know where I put the, the locks for these boxes. So if you, if you need an adventure, you can come to my house and you can look for these locks for the boxes. Right? But the way that I relate to people when I know the answer looks something like this. That some, The other day, one of the, the kids came to me and said, Oh, I bet I know where the locks are. They're probably out in the car. Which car did you take uh, to the store? And I, I know in my mind that I already took them into the house and I put them someplace for safekeeping because I was worried about little hands moving them someplace, but now I can't remember where I put them for safekeeping. That's a terrible problem, isn't it, right? Bet you do that all the time. So, uh, I, but I knew in my mind where I put them and I, 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 or that I did not leave them in the car. And I could have, I, I, I took every ounce of my energy to not say to my kids, Oh, don't go look in the car. I know they're not in the car. Don't waste your time. And so I just, instead, I, I tried to be polite and say, well, you, I took the gray car. Go check the gray car. Okay, fine, right? But you think, look at Jesus here. Jesus knows he can raise Lazarus from the dead. He walks up on the scenes. And, it, and if you knew you could raise somebody from the dead and everybody was crying or was, you know, was gathered around crying and weeping, what would you do? Would you say to, to Martha, Martha, you're right. I am the resurrection. I can raise him. It'll be okay. Um, or would you just smirk about it and laugh? And, and, and when he gets to Mary, Mary is weeping and, and he joins her in her vulnerability. He joins her in her sadness. Look at how awesome he is in, in relating to people. Jesus is not 50% man and 50% God. Sometimes God, sometimes man, and, and those two different things show up. He's, he's fully God and fully man all the time even in this situation, with intense grief and a little bit of hope. And he is the giver of life. Jesus is the giver of life. He says, I am the resurrection and life. And if I am the resurrection and life, if Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that means your life comes from him. Your life comes from him. It, it belongs to him. It's his and he is going to be Lord and, and ruler over it. 
You know, a lot of people will understandably say to me, why should I listen to Jesus? What, is, what does he get to say about my life? Why does he get to be in charge? You know, why don't I get to make the calls about my life? And, and that is a, an understandable thing to say. Very understandable, you know. If, if you and I are, are from nothing and we are going to nothing, and, and there's, there's nothing that means anything significant in between, we may as well just destroy each other. We can do whatever we want with our lives. But, but if Jesus is the Lord of life, if our lives come from Him, then don't we have to do certain things with our lives? And that's what Jesus wants to give you. He makes possible this life for you and me. That's the second thing, is that not only does Jesus give us life, he wants to make it possible for us to have this life. When Jesus walked up to Martha, he told her, the one who believes in me will live. That's verse 25, if you're you're following along. The one who believes in me will live. And you can tell that Martha accepted that fact. She said, you're right. I believe in the Messiah. I believe that you are the Messiah. And yet, I, I think that she still doubted him, or she she denied it a little bit. Uh, when Jesus got to the grave, she said, hey, he stinks. Don't open it up. He stinks. Right? And, and Jesus, I love what he does. Jesus doesn't mock her. Does he? You know, he doesn't criticize her. He doesn't laugh at her. He doesn't put her down. He raises Lazarus anyway. And the reason that you and I get blessing from God in life, God doesn't bless us and take care of us and approve of us because we're so awesome or we work so hard or even our faith is so awesome. And it would be a completely unbelieving thing for us to say that, that God blesses and forgives and accepts and approves and loves of everybody no matter what they do in their life and no matter what they think about God. That, that would be an unbelieving thing to say. It's also unbelieving to say God accepts and he approves and he forgives and he gives life to good people. That's just as bad. That's not true either. God loves and accepts and he forgives people who trust in him because Jesus died for them. If God is going to give you life, it's going to come from Him. It's not going to be about you. And that's the next thing that we want to learn today. That real physical life is available to each person because of who God is, not who you are. It's not about what we would do. And so let's get a hold of this life. That's that's essentially what Jesus wraps up with. Lazarus gets up, he gets out of the tomb... Jesus turns to Lazarus and he says, all right, let's take the clothes off of Lazarus and and go. Just go, Lazarus. Just walk away. Death has been defeated. It's, It's undone. And what he wants to tell you and I is that death is the defeated enemy. Death is the defeated enemy. You know, Christianity is incredibly realistic about our our problems, isn't it? About the suffering that we face in the world. You and I, we have three great enemies, sin, death, and the devil. And they are bigger, and they are stronger than us, and we cannot control them. I cannot control them. Death is bigger than I am. And if it is bigger than I am, not only can I not control it, 
then the gospel is not about empowering me to fight death. It, it doesn't matter how much power I get from the gospel. I will never be able to defeat death, to control death. The gospel is about the fact that death is defeated and I get to live in that reality. I get to experience that reality every day. And we can see this as, as painful as it is, as hard as it is. It, it plays out in, in specific times and in specific ways. It's incredibly painful. It's incredibly challenging to hold on to hope for life in the midst of death. It's, it's challenging to strive for life in the midst of death. But one of the, the places where I, I think I've seen it well, I, I was hearing a story about a, a young woman. And this woman, she was raised in a very, let's be honest, a very abusive and a difficult situation. She was abused by her parents, by relatives, physically, emotionally, verbally. And despite the abuse, she also grew up connected to uh, a Christian church. And yet, uh, despite some times where she enjoyed the friendships and the relationships that she had with the people at the church and, and even the pastor at times, she never believed the gospel that she heard there. She was incredibly skeptical about it, probably in big part due to the suffering that she was experiencing on the side. A lot of things happened through her life. Eventually, she met a young man who befriended her and, and more personally and specifically shared the gospel with her. He also joined her in her suffering. He was with her as she, she experienced this abuse and she relived the, the horrific encounters of it. Uh, eventually, they got, they got married. They continued to do this walk together. And there were a lot of very painful, difficult moments on the way, times where they said that they were going to divorce and the relationship was over. Uh, but she also got connected to a church. She got to hear the, the gospel from, uh, from the pastor and from other people who, who were not cruel to her. And then finally she decided she wanted to be baptized. She wanted that new life in Jesus. You know what happened to her as soon as almost as she got baptized? I mean, it, it hardly took any time at all. It, is that her uh, a close relative of hers became sick. She spent a couple days sitting with that relative as that relative grew increasingly sick and, and headed towards death, uh, and then her relative died. She was incredibly guilty because she was not there when her relative died. It was a, a very sad moment for her. She felt tons of blame and guilt. But in that instant, she, she first felt guilt, and then a couple days later, she talked to the pastor, she talked to her, her husband, and she talked to a couple of people, and she said, I, I don't feel so badly anymore. Is that bad? Is that wrong that I don't feel so badly? And so they, they talked a little bit about denial, you know, stages of grief, one of them is denial. But the other thing they said was, you know, Jesus lives. Death is the defeated enemy. And it is totally right that you would begin to experience the hope of new life, even as you mourn the death of your loved one. If death is undone, if death is really the defeated enemy, then every day you get to begin to see what it means that life 
lives. Jesus has won for each and every one of us. And not only then is forgiveness real, and we can realize that all the time, just as this young woman got to, we can also begin to see that life lasts. And so let's rejoice today. Let's be glad, even as we face a, a pandemic or job loss or hardship or whatever else. Find that joy in this suffering, because death is our defeated enemy. And let's get life. Will you join me in prayer for that? Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that today, through Jesus, you revealed to us that life lives and we can get life from you. Very often, we find ourselves seeking to control our lives, to hold on to this life because, because we feel like it somehow belongs to us. It's in our power. We can, we can use it and manipulate it and direct it in the direction that we choose rather than seeing that life is your precious gift to us. And the more we receive that as a gift, the more we will experience the life that you have given to us, that you have passed on to us. Let us receive this gift with eager hearts and, and feel it come up in our lives. And so let life live among us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.